1: You'll be
0: amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword
2: partner. You could hire one person to handle your digital strategy. Hey, how you doing? Or for the same amount of money, you can hire an entire team of experts. John, Ashley, Ernie, Bree, Pat, Sally. We're 2060 Digital, a national digital advertising agency based right here in the Twin Cities. Our digital marketers, client strategists, videographers, and more have worked on hundreds of campaigns in the healthcare, home services, automotive, education sectors, and more. 2060 Digital,
0: a team of experts working for you. More at 2060DigitalMSP.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I know it's Tuesday, but... Reckless speculation. Let's do a little reckless speculation. We will talk about that Twins trade that went down last night. We got our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department every Tuesday and Thursday that was a fun win for the Timberwolves last night without Mike Conley, by the way. And it kind of shows you that maybe some of the things you see in January where they lose to bad teams. I mean, Oklahoma City lost to Detroit a couple nights ago. Maybe it just shows you that these teams get bored in January, dudes, But we'd love to talk trade deadline with you off the back of one of the biggest wins of the season for our Timberwolves on the road in Oklahoma City, baby.
2: Well, good to see you, gentlemen. Good to hear from you guys. The NBA trade deadline, Phil, is in nine days, one week from Thursday, 2 o'clock Central. On February 8th, there was a report late last week, New York Post, that attached the Wolves to Royce O'Neal of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, do I think the Wolves have had dialogue with Brooklyn? Yes, it's called due diligence. Do I sense anything is like on the cusp? It's gotten far off the ground. No. Now, Royce O'Neill has a history from his Utah days with Mike Conley Jr., with Rudy Gobert. Think about Dell Demps in the Wolves' front office, former Utah assistant coach. So the Wolves have the book on Royce O'Neal. I think there's some level of interest, but I was told by somebody the other day, Phil, that they really like Doug McDermott. Yeah. Of the Dougie San Antonio McBuckets. Spurs. McBuckets. We go. saw Dougie McBuckets light up the Wolves to some extent on Saturday. Right. So the roller coaster of the season, right? Like, think about late Saturday. My Twitter feed or my X feed is filled with, Hey, fire Chris Finch, which is asinine. Put it this way. Those who power, him. those who matter have not thought for one second about firing Chris Finch. But hey, emotional time late Saturday, people. You know, love to hop on social media, right, because they have a voice. Otherwise, they would be voiceless, right? But social media affords them a chance to voice their opinion. So there was a lot of, I saw a lot of, fire Chris Finch. But those who matter, trust me, they have not thought for one second about firing Chris Finch, but think about the roller coaster, right? Lose to San Antonio, lose eight days ago to Charlotte, the way they lost that game. But now you feel really good coming off last night. But Doug McDermott hit a couple threes. That's what the Wolves are looking for is three-point shooting as much as anything. Now, he makes a good amount of money.
0: 13.7. So that
2: might be a buyout situation. Remember, there are teams, you know, first apron that can't sign a guy like Doug McDermott if he hits the buyout market. Now, Gordon Hayward, that's another guy who I'm told the Wolves, hey, why wouldn't they, right? Like, if Gordon Hayward hits the buyout market, every team that can sign him, will make the phone call. So the Wolves would be in that boat. But Mark Stein, who I've known for a bit, he reported on Monday that Hayward, because he will lose his bird rights, not to get into all the minutia, but because he would lose his bird rights, he is unlikely to accept a buyout. Now, maybe Charlotte can find a trade partner, but that's a lot of money. But Doug McDermott would be one name I would keep an eye on. But there are others, like Luke Kennard of Memphis. Monty Morris, but I don't think they're married. Like, a lot of people feel feel like they're married to this idea that the Wolves need to bring in a backup point guard. They value Jordan McLaughlin. Heck, he had a really good game last night. It's not necessarily a point guard. Could it be a point guard? Sure, but more than anything, I'm led to believe they are looking for shooting. Now, Monty Morris can shoot. So, yeah, do I think he's on their radar? Yes, but it could also be somebody with a little bit more size whether it's an O'Neill or a McDermott. Is...
1: So, Doogie, what is the um, reckless speculation? Yes. S- since we're we're going there on a Tuesday, it's not a Thursday, but God bless it. What is the potential returns here? So, like, if, if we are t- talking about what, you know, would be a logical deal, what do you think the Wolves would be willing to part with or would have to part with in, in a deal? Let's just say for the sake of this conversation that it is uh, McDermott. Okay,
2: well, I mean, if it's McDermott, I think it's more a buyout. Like, I don't think they're trading for Doug McDermott. I guess I would be surprised. I mean, I don't know how you get to that money. Like, you would need Kyle Anderson's contract in all likelihood. Chris Finch doesn't want to move Kyle Anderson. Not that the Wolves play a lot of zone, although comparatively speaking, they actually play more zone than about half the league. But still, I mean, they're not playing much zone. But Chris Finch loves Kyle Anderson in the zone loves his decision-making, loves his leadership. Like, I actually see Kyle Anderson here on February 9th. It's hard for me to see. Even though I don't see him here next year, you want him for the duration of this season, even though he's an unrestricted free agent in the summer. And, you know, we've documented their cap situation. So I get it if he moves on in July. But you want him for the rest of this year. So I just don't know how you would get to the money, right? They're two and a half or so below the luxury tax line. You know, so we're looking at close to dollar for dollar, like Shake Milton. Like, you're moving Shake Milton. I mean, we saw it last night, right? Out of the rotation yet again. Like, trust me, Shake Milton is absolutely available. I think deep down, he would welcome a change of scenery. Maybe that's a little reckless, right? I'm not reporting that. Please don't aggregate that. But just my sense is Shake Milton would welcome a change of scenery. So you look at his five ish million dollars. You know, would you move Troy Brown Jr. to me? I'd keep Troy Brown Jr. I would too. You know, Jordan McLaughlin is another unrestricted free agent. I guess if you could upgrade the backup point guard spot. So these are the names we are talking about. Plus, if a team is interested in somebody like Wendell Moore Jr., maybe perhaps their best trade chip, though, is that second-round pick. It's either Memphis's or Washington's. They got in the D'Angelo Russell trade. I mean, you look at, hey, Memphis and Washington, both teams will likely pick in the top ten of the second round, so you're looking at pick 36, 37, 38, something like that in a draft, where I'm not sure in June there's going to be much separation between, like, picks 10 and 40. Like, there's not much of a consensus. I mean, I think teams' boards are going to be all over the place with this draft class, so that, to me, is a pretty valuable trade chip. But you still need to look, Judd, close to dollar. For dollar, but here's the question: Like, could you make a move, a trade for a Monty Morris, then create enough flexibility to stay below the tax to sign somebody on the buyout market? Remember, the Wolves are at 14 contracts; they're not at 15. If you maneuver enough, like you could get to 15 if you wanted to. So, is that a possibility? So, is that maybe a separate trade where you would look to move some money? But I would certainly look at Shake Milton before anybody else. Like, I foresee the Wolves doing something. And he would be the guy I'd look at more than anybody else.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, you bring up some of these shooters: Luke Kennard, Dougie McBuckets. Can you imagine if 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 you can keep your core intact and just add a player like that without trading a Kyle Anderson? And he's coming off Rudy Gobert screens. He's coming off. He's coming off Kyle Anderson screens. They just don't. And by the way, uh, Jake Painting from Howls and Growls did an amazing job on YouTube a couple days ago breaking down. It was the loss against San Antonio, and they ran that lineup out for like six and a half total minutes of four non-shooters.
2: Yeah, Jake is he does a good job. Yeah,
0: and the spacing issues on this team, and they did a better job last night. Some of it is like the they can do a better job as individuals spacing and just just paying attention to that. But then some of it's just like lineup checkmate, where they if you're going to run lineups out with like Kyle Anderson, Jordan McLaughlin, and you know, like Shake Milton was out there for a bunch of minutes against you. You know, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're not gonna guard those guys in the corners, and Rudy is out there too. But if you put a Doug McDermott in the corner or a Luke Kennard in the corner, uh, you even bring. I think it's the first time that anyone's brought up in this conversation with you, anyways. Uh, Royce O'Neal, he can shoot thirty-eight, thirty-nine percent from downtown too. Like having a guy like that for fifteen or twenty minutes or more. Really changes things for the second unit, so I'm all for it. Well, yeah, I mean, I can make day. a
2: compelling case for Royce O'Neal. I just I was led to believe. Now I can change very quickly. I mean, trust me, I do believe there are fans of Royce O'Neal in the Wolves front office. I just was led to believe that. Sure, there's been some dialogue, but like it hasn't gotten very far. But I can also make a case, Phil. Like if you match up against New Orleans in the first round of the playoffs, I'm not suggesting Royce O'Neal is going to stop. Zion Williamson yeah but that's another body you could put on Zion for a handful of minutes McDermott not so much but like Royce O'Neal he could also help you on the defensive end yeah
0: you know one last thing on like the just like Judd asked about what would it what would they give up or what would the value be that they could come up with because they can't trade a first round pick second round picks are going to have only so much value it's really tough that a former first round pick like Wendell Moore Jr at this point in his career, doesn't have more value. I mean, he's he's played eight games for the... He barely gets on the court for the Timberwolves, right? He's only played eight games for the Iowa Wolves, shooting 32% from the field and 29% from three. You know, he's still young, but it's tough because he, he's not an asset that a team would look at I think as, oh yeah, we would take on this potential future rotation player, right? You would just be pawning off his salary in a trade.
2: Agree. Now, Josh, Minot might my- hold some appeal. I mean, all these NBA teams are scouting these G-League games. So yeah, we don't talk much about the G-League, but there are constant scouts at all these G-League games. So other teams are watching the Iowa Wolves. So you think about Josh Minot or Leonard Miller. Now, like the Wolves love Leonard Miller. I will be surprised if they move Leonard Miller. But if you look at Tim Connelly's trade history, like way, way, way more often than not, when his team truly need something, and they realize the window is open, right? Whatever you want to say about the Wolves blowing it against the Hornets, blowing it against the Spurs, the championship window is open. Tim Connolly has a history of striking. That's why I truly believe he is going to do something. Now, is it as simple as you move Milton, you move off him, somebody would take him, right, that they feel like, hey, we can get Philadelphia shake. Out of him. Plus, we don't need to exercise the option for next season if we don't want to. Let's take him for the rest of this year. Maybe the Wolves need to attach some sort of asset to that. Not like that really good second round pick, but maybe some other second round pick. They have some second round picks they can move. So maybe you move off the Shake Milton salary, then sign somebody on the buyout market. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to make a trade for somebody like Monty Morris, then add somebody also on the buyout market. That too is a possibility.
1: Mike Conley's hamstring, Dukes, um, I, I think he so he missed the Charlotte game, and they originally said that Finch had said something about the hamstring. He comes right back, but, you know, with, with a guy that this age, one, he's not going to play in every game, and two, a hamstring is concerning to me. So where do things stand currently with him being uh, shut down for possibly a few games to try and get this thing right?
2: So he pushed hard. I mean, coming off what he saw on Saturday on the bench, like he wanted to play last night. He pushed very, very hard. The Wolves decided, hey, yes, hamstring, tricky injury, although hamstring soreness, we're not talking about anything significant, at least at this point, but the Wolves went the conservative route. So this was the Wolves protecting Mike Conley Jr. from himself. But my understanding is he pushed very hard to play last night. So what I'm getting at is, This doesn't seem to be some sort of long-term issue, although I'm with you, Judd. Hamstring, like, we'll have to keep an eye on that the duration of the season. Yeah.
0: Uh, One other thing, and we can get to some other topics. The Twins made a trade, but, you know, the, the Wolves, I hate doing the complaining about officials thing, but it's becoming pretty glaring. You know, Carl in that game against the Hornets got hacked on the way of the hoop. You know, Ant drops that that dunk to put the Wolves up four and there's literally a defender trying to foul him grabbing his arm to try and prevent the two free points and they don't get the call I'm wondering what what is it like Shea Gildas Alexander goes to the line a hundred times a night and Joel Embiid you know, in some ways I think I think Carl in his career has maybe just alienated officials with the way that he and, and maybe Ant is doing that too but what is your read on that? It's clearly reaching a boiling point here. I mean, Anthony Edwards had to be restrained by teammates at the end of that game last night and then goes on valleys and says, "I'm going to take the fine for this. These officials are garbage." He called he called the officials too in in the close up. Someone had a close up of him like on the bench. Cheating ass refs. So this this whole like this is becoming a major thing now with with the two top offensive stars for the Wolves, Dukes.
2: Yeah, I mean, and saying, hey, we're not playing five on five. We're playing five on eight. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Let's not forget the Wolves last year led the NBA in technical fouls. You know, that reputation can carry over. We've documented Cat's history with the officials going back years, although in the same breath, let's give Cat credit. He clearly has worked on it. Cat is in a much, much, much better space today compared to, say, 18 or 24 months ago when it comes to dealing with the officials. But you just wonder if the reputation carries through last night, like that ant dunk was off the charts. Shea Gilgis Alexander clearly hits his wrist. The official was standing right there. That one, I don't know how to explain that one. There are a lot of younger type officials. Not that that's an excuse, Phil, but I'm just opining. I'm wondering, right. A lot of the senior officials, the last four or five years have retired and so you've got new officials, but still, like, when it's right there, plain as day, I don't know how they missed Shea Gildress Alexander hitting Anthony Edwards' wrist. So, in that moment, and you go back eight days, Phil, have you ever seen a worse two-minute report? And, hey, I get it. There are many games where if you looked at the report for the first 46 minutes, it would be very, very glaring, right? But... They put out these two-minute reports when the game is, what, within five points or less. So in that case, the Charlotte game eight days ago, they put out the two-minute report on the NBA official's website the next day. So it was around this time a week ago, the two-minute report comes out. There were 10 missed calls. Mm-hmm. I think it was 5-5 five, five or 6-4, you know, clearly. I mean, Cat got fouled twice going to the hoop. They don't call it, right? That would have been free throws to tie that game. So yes, like, and I don't think it's just unique here. Like I watch enough Dallas Mavericks games because my buddy Sean Sweeney is on that staff and I enjoy watching Luca, even with his antics. Like Luca is constantly complaining to the officials. Watch him bead, right? Now, hey, he's getting a lot of whistles. Even Shea, who gets a ton of whistles, for at times to me, it's incidental contact, minimal contact. Yet Shea is good at getting the whistle. Shea is getting to the free throw line, you know, eight, nine, 10 times a game, whatever it is. I mean, I don't know what it was last night, but there were a few whistles where I'm like, really? Like, let them play through that. Why are you blowing the whistle in that case? But I don't have a great answer. It's a great inquiry, Phil. Like, I'd love to get to the bottom of it. I think it's many, many factors, but I can't help but wonder if the Wolves' reputation, now it hasn't been horrible this year, but last year when you lead the league, in technical files, when you bitched as much as you did last year, is there a carryover effect into this year?
1: What was uh, weird last night was, and Jim P talked about this, they let a lot go early, and then they started to call things. And, and Ant, I think the one thing with Ant is he, he has to be careful because he does not w- want to get the reputation that I think Cat has now. Like, I think Cat has improved, but, you know, Cat's known as a h- habitual – complainer and you know what I think if I think if Ant gets fouled last night and he doesn't complain ordinarily he's got a much stronger platform to say go look at that one I got hit on the arm completely right but the problem is when you complain and you're right Luca does it constantly too it drives me nuts but when you complain all the time I think they tune you out eventually so I think that plays a role as well but I just want to make sure when you're going into the playoffs You want to be as on the favorable side of the refs as you can possibly be. So I don't know how you get there, but that to me becomes the most important thing. Well, I mean,
2: best of luck, though, if you're playing the Lakers in the first round, right? So, yes, you can say that, but if you're playing LeBron, to me, best of luck. I'd love, I don't have the exact answer, but I'd love for them to tweak the challenge rules, right? So, like, Ant gets fouled, clearly, but because there wasn't a whistle, you can't then challenge that. Is there a way to tweak that? I just wonder, right? That Does there always need to be the whistle, or is there a way, or does it just disrupt the game? Like, just something I've thought about. I, I don't know how it would play out, but I'd love for the Wolves to be able to, like, challenge in that instance, because they all saw it, snap of the fingers, that Ant got hit. Heck, he knew it in the moment. That I just wish the Wolves could have challenged that play, but because there was no whistle, you can't challenge it.
0: Dude, did you see this Lakers foul stat that came out on the broadcast last night? I think this was the Rockets no. broadcast team.
2: No. Give so it, uh,
0: the Lakers have shot 233 more free throws coming into last night's game than their opponents this year. Far and away ahead of the second biggest gap. Yet the Lakers are dead last in drives to the basket.
1: <laughs>
0: how is that? I mean, I know how it's possible. It's the Lakers. It's LeBron. It's Anthony Davis. Any if you if you breathe on Anthony Davis, he's gonna go to the free throw line. But that's a bad look for the NBA, man. Like that is a how do you justify that? They don't drive to the hoop and yet by a wide margin they shoot more free throws than opponents.
2: I don't know how to explain that it's if you're asking. So. But heck, if you talk to LeBron, he's still upset about what took place at target center. You know, a few weeks ago, when was that? In December, yeah. you know, everything that happened. Heck, there was a game. Was it last year in Boston? Or was it earlier this season? I don't know. Seasons sometimes blend together. But where, you know, LeBron thought it was an obvious foul, they didn't call it, right? So if you talk to LeBron, he'd still, he'd still have some issues. And, hey, AD gets enough post-touches, right? So, I mean, he's getting bodied up, hacked, whatever. But still, that's that. I didn't know it, Phil. Yeah, I mean, I knew... To some extent, the Lakers get a favorable whistle, but I had no idea when you just laid that out. That is truly remarkable. Yeah.
0: Hey, before we get further into the scoop bag here, Judd, tell the audience how they can change their lives and lose a few pounds or a lot more than a
1: few pounds. It's actually simple as can be. It's through my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers who helped me. I take off 40 pounds now a couple of years ago, and here's what they're going to do. They're not only going to help you lose the weight, but most importantly, they're going to help you keep that weight off and they are now offering breakthrough weight loss medications as well in their center locations so they are going to help you get fit and trim for spring imagine that a few months from now the birds are chirping it's gorgeous outside and you are down substantial weight that you're going to keep off it's this simple 855 go l-i-v-e-a livia.com livia Livia, l-i-v-e-a.com is where your weight loss journey starts
0: Also, a shout-out to our friends over at Zero Res. I love a clean house. I think everyone here loves a clean house. Don't live in filth. Clean those carpets. And even if you don't want to do it, Zero Res is here to help you. Zero Res can deep-clean your house with the Score North Special, which is three rooms, Zero Resified, starting at just $119 and $75 off when you get your air ducts Zero Res clean this month. Call 952-Zero Res or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com. And say you want the Score North special, spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero res. Okay, Dukes, uh the Twins, finally. Oh, by the way, credit to Doogie. What did you nail? You nailed something here. Uh, I don't
2: know oh, if the, I the nailed Hockinson. anything. I mean, the said back in November, based on the GM meetings, that Jorge Polanco, more than any other Twins. Well, that's too. To You nailed that, too. But, but I
1: nailed that yesterday. Right it's not I like played, I was, <laughs> you know, we choose to with
2: something like that. So well, yeah, let's I mean, go, let's go. Yeah. Hawkinson, Planco sure. Planko, ahead, Planko
0: plan. was traded uh, to the Mariners and, you know, on paper. Okay. So we'll see. Now the twins did get uh, another pitcher with a broken elbow back. uh De Sclafani comes back, veteran starting pitcher. He's probably going to need Tommy John surgery in the next year, if we're being honest. Uh, but Justin Topa, really good, hard throwing, sinker balling, right-handed reliever, 33 years old. He does have three years of team control left, late bloomer. Uh, I think the centerpiece of this is the 19-year-old top 100 prospect, Gabriel Gonzalez, the outfielder. So, all right, you, you trade from a surplus, Polanco can stay healthy, really good Twins career, and you get four interesting pieces back.
2: Okay. Yeah, I have no problem with this trade whatsoever. Heck, you also get back $8 million, so how do they use – That money looking at the savings overall, it's about six ish million, maybe a little less than that. But the idea is to reinvest that money. So, do they go sign a right handed bat? Like, I checked late last night crickets, but that may change as soon as today. Like, on Adam Duvall, like they've had interest in Adam Duvall in the past. Like, I don't know how much he could play center field if you need a backup plan for Byron Buxton, Willie Castro. Can play out there but if you're looking to add a right-handed bat could he make some sense or do you want some more first base protection now that you know Eddie Julian is your opening day second baseman now hey last week like Rocco Baldelli at Dunkers was talking about you know we're gonna have Eddie Julian have a first baseman at spring training Kyle Farmer will have a first baseman heck Vasquez got some first base work last year right so they have some first base options if Kirilov Go sideways again. The word on Kirilov is he's down in Fort Myers at the facility right now. That he's progressing very, very well. But there's still a little ways to go coming off the surgery he had. So could you bring back somebody like Donovan Solana, or Garrett Cooper or Carlos Santana? I've checked on all those guys. Crickets so far. But I just wonder if that changes in the coming days that the Twins look to add a free agent back. There's enough bats available but yes Phil I have no problem with this trade you trade from a position of strength like Brooks Lee is not that far away frankly right he'll start for the Saints but Brooks Lee could be a major leaguer by June 1st like he's that close so you have middle infield depth so yeah like you have to trade from a position of strength you get back Anthony D yeah there's an injury history there but I think you can bank on 10 to 13 starts from him. You can push Louis Varland down either to St. Paul if you want him to start or in the bullpen, so it gives you options. I'm with you. I've heard a lot of good stuff on Topa. Career year last year for the Mariners. 70-something appearances? Yeah, I mean, that's unbelievable, really. I mean, he was up there. I mean, among the top two or three in baseball in appearances last year with good numbers. Yeah, late bloomer, yeah, I get it. Relievers oftentimes are cyclical. Like, was last year truly his career year that he won't do that again? But I've heard a lot of good things in the last 12 hours about Justin Topa. Then you're right about the outfielder, a top 100 prospect. Yeah, we need to see it above high A, right? But there's enough there that's intriguing as a teenager. You know, the numbers he put up as a 19 year old that you're like, yes, to get all that for Jorge Polanco with his injury history. But I'm a big Polanco fan. Like, I really am. Like, to me, he belongs one day in the Twins Hall of Fame. Huge Jorge Polanco fan. So, hey, good for Seattle for making that move, but I really like the Twins'
1: return. So part of that, too, though, is is this. I, I sensed that, that when we have spent the last few months talking about the obvious, which was kepler Polanco, if not both, were going to be gone, Dukes. I sensed there was a feeling among fans that the Twins were going to get a pitcher back, and I mean like a top, you know, like a three guy. Um, and I, I don't know if, if that's because Arise, who was clearly traded at, you know, during a period of ascension, uh, got back Lopez or what. So the disappointment today from some about Polanco, I think is actually their own fault because to your point, he's 30, he's been hurt. He's a nice player. And, but we always, I I think fan bases always value their own players as, yeah, just go trade Polanco for a really good starting pitcher. Um, I got bad news. That was never going to be the case.
2: Yes. Now, we talked last week, Declan, you had me check on Alec Manoa of Toronto, who was really, really good two seasons ago. Fell off a cliff last year, but there's an intriguing arm there. Mm -hmm. Like we just opined, hey, would Toronto, you know, perhaps entertain Polanco for Manoa? Like I never heard that it got like to that point, but that the twins had checked in. About Mano, But I don't even know if Toronto, even after Toronto added yet another arm last week, that Toronto was truly willing to do that. Plus, there are still so many free agents out there that Toronto is in on that I don't think Toronto was willing to make a move right now. When Seattle presented this opportunity, you strike. Like, it was a good enough package. You say yes to. But, like, Toronto, yeah, they inquired about Polanco going back months. So did Seattle. We mentioned in November, mm-hmm. you know, piggybacking off the GM meetings that, Seattle was one of the teams to watch on Jorge Polanco, on Max Kepler, Judd. So for what it's worth, Baldelli last week at Dunkers was gushing so much about Max Kepler. I had a couple people in the room tell me, like, Max Kepler is going to be in right field March 28th, opening day in Kansas City. Like, the Twins are not trading Max Kepler.
0: Okay. Well, it's because for two months, he was their best hitter. But then for, like, two or three other months, he was... Borderline DFA able as we talked about on the show, so I, I get if you're not if you're not going to get something close to dollar for dollar, or like a you know a playoff rotation arm, then okay, you might as well run it back and see. And if you need to make a trade middle of the season, and it's not like I think where the Twins have to be careful here, Dugs is Matt Walner, nice rookie season. Okay, are you 100% sure that dude's going to come back and repeat it now that the league has had a year to look at him, right? Trevor Larnick went off a cliff last year. We don't know about it. some of these young guys that are like in their mid-20s. They're not 100% bankable in terms of what you can count on. Neither is Max Kepler, but I think they have probably more confidence that Kepler's going to give them, you know, 135 solid games than, than some of the other
2: guys, so I get that. That's why I wonder then, Phil, do you go sign Adam Duvall? And again, crickets right now on Duvall, but like, that could change. I just know this front office has had interest in him in the past. He had a good year last year mm-hmm. for the Red Sox in his mid-30s, so you'll wonder, right? But he performed very well last year. That's just one name. Heck, would you contemplate signing somebody like Jorge Soler? Now, maybe he's more a DH, but like, would you contemplate he's signing yeah. a right-handed hitting outfielder? So, yes, you have some protection in left field if Matt Wallner falls off a cliff to some extent.
0: Carlos Santana, would he's not an outfielder, but man, I love that guy. He's been around for 15 years, well, 20, look at his 20 home runs. Field.
2: He oh, owns God. Target Field.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, That's because right? Glenn, so per- Glenn Perkins, Perkins is, is good for half that production, and he'll be the first to tell you.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, just some names to keep an eye on. I mean, I checked on all those guys. Like, I looked at a list, and I'm like, okay, that guy may be like Duvall. Again, Like, I know the history that this front office has had interest in the past, So I checked, right now crickets, but I'm just saying it could change. I'll give you one more Twins note before maybe we transition somewhere else. So Cody Funderburk, he's got options, right? Lefty reliever. But hey, he was, you know, put into a role there at the end of the year, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. he was asked to get some key outs. So I just found this out. I don't know if this has been out there. It's nothing huge. But there was interest in him going to Japan in December that there was a team in Japan willing to compensate him very, very well yet. And Hey, I get it from the twin standpoint. They really liked the player. The twins had to give permission. The Twins said no. Right. So I just wonder what Funderburk's role is now. Cause you think about Topa, you think about Stomit, right? Jorge Alcala is now healthy. Like they've got a lot of bullpen options. So who gets pushed down I wonder about a guy like Funderburk, because he's got options if he starts in St. Paul. Heck, if Louis Varland now yeah. ends up starting in St. Paul. When I say Funderburk starting in St. Paul, in the St. Paul bullpen, in Varland's case, literally starting pitcher in St. Paul, that these guys with options might just get pushed down when maybe they really shouldn't. Yeah. Hey, give us a the minute of side. Yeah.
0: some rapid fire scoops here to to wrap the episode, Dukes. What else you got? In
2: yeah. There? Absolutely. Gophers Football Pro Day scheduled for March 14th. The Vikings have a number of scouts right now in Mobile, Alabama. The last few days, they were at the Shrine Bowl practices. I believe that was where in the Dallas area. So some of their high-level scouts. But they've all transitioned now to Mobile. So busy week for the Vikings scouting department at the Senior Bowl. There is optimism on Pharrell Payne did not play for the Gophers on Saturday. How about Ben Johnson's team? Down, what, 16, end up winning by nine? Penn State just had knocked off Wisconsin, so Penn State, capable team. You do that on the road, down Pharrell Payne, that was really, really encouraging from the Gophers on Saturday. The Gophers don't play again until this Saturday, home against Northwestern. There is optimism that Pharrell Payne, a little bit of a back issue, but that he can be back on Saturday.
0: Yeah, there he is, folks. Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News News. Sports Department and the Scoop Podcast every Tuesday and Thursday right here. See you, dudes
2: All right, boys, have a good one. We'll uh, talk on right. Thursday. See ya.
0: There we go. Yeah, a little reckless oh. speculation Thursday on a Tuesday. There
1: we go.
2: <laughs>
0: there we oh, go. I was gone. Uh, I swapped.
1: I'm back. <laughs> I swapped. You know, don't try and silence me, man. All I do is break Polanco news. Okay. It is
0: true. We did poke at you, but yeah, you were you were all over it. You were twenty five. Basically, handed the baton to Jeff Passan to give us the rest of the details. Twenty
1: five dollars. Framed and signed something's up.
0: You know, you should have really sniffed out when they had the Polanco $25 autograph next to the Anthony D. $50 autograph that you should have put the math together there.
1: With his arm in a sling, <laughs> waving. Yeah. See you real soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to be making 32 starts for uh, the twins this year. We will talk more about that on the Scornorth twin show today as well. And uh, over on Purple Daily. We've got a look, a tale of the tape look at the Vikings compared to the 49ers based on a poll that we ran yesterday on Twitter. So all sorts of stuff across the Score podcast today.